much. I love um, I love those comments that Nate had about you know some great uh, birth stories. And uh, I was born as a twin. Um, I'm still a twin. Uh, I, I came out second, so I was considered the runt of the litter. Um, but anyway, but my, my twin brothers sort of, uh, we, there's, there's not a lot of similarities in that between us except for what's above the nose and the ha- same hairstyle and that. So the other, the other great thing is, you know, kids, kids are great to have, but we're really enjoying the grandkids sort of thing. And I shouted on that and, and, and we've got seven grandkids all up. The wonderful thing about grandkids is when you had enough, you can give them back. And it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. So peace, peace reigns again in the, uh, in, in, in the place and that but. Yeah, so um, I just I just want to say thank you for the invitation this morning uh, to Nate and his, to Hamish and that I know he's on sabbatical and that, and um, just the opportunity to come and to to share the word of God. There's a few people that we know, there's a few people that we don't know, and and so. But just thank you for that, and you know, just coming in this morning and and even what I've heard of the church in the past and that. Um, I think you're a church that, that, that just breathes uh, what Christ said about the church, those two most important commands, love God and love people. And I just sense that this is a church that, one, it loves God, uh, but it also loves people very much as well. And so that's uh, you know, it's a great place to be. Hey, let's just pray, shall we, as we... I just want to open up the word this one. Lord, I just thank you, Heavenly Father, for the opportunity that we can gather, Lord, in freedom. That, Heavenly Father, we can come together, Lord, as a community of believers, Lord God. Lord, that, uh, Lord, we welcome also, Heavenly Father, those that are on a journey, Lord, that may not even know you at the moment. And so, Lord, today I pray that as we open your word, I I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you would open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts, that we would receive something from you. That, Lord, what we hear today, we can take and we can apply to our lives tomorrow. That, Lord God, we can share it with others, Heavenly Father, to make their world a better world as well. We pray these things in your precious and in your mighty name. In the book of Titus, Titus chapter 2, and uh, it was a verse that I've been uh, reading uh, throughout this year, just came across it, and it's really, really just challenged me. And as you know, with Titus and that, Titus was uh, leading the church on the island of Crete, and uh, Paul is writing to Titus, and uh, he's been given the, the, the charge of, of actually, um, actually sorting out some of the stuff in the church, but also leading the people in the church and uh, into uh, an excellent way of life and encouraging them to live out the examples of what their doctrine was, what they were professing. And so Paul is writing to Titus, but he's writing to the many, many different people that were in that church. And there, were, there, there was made up of so many different ones. And there was, you know, uh, families and business people. And there, there was Greeks and, and a whole lot of different ones. There were many slaves also in the early churches as well. And uh, Paul, in, in, in writing, comes to this part. And he's focusing a little bit on the, on the slaves at that time, you know, telling them, hey, to, to uh, do good for your masters and that. But he, he brings this in and says, do not steal from them, but to show that you can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching of God our Savior attractive. And it was that last part that's really captured my attention over this year. And I've just spent some time just meditating and reflecting on it, simply saying, but show that you can be fully trusted. You know, and we're not going to open that up this morning when there's a whole lot just in that in itself, what it means to be fully trusted. But I love the next part, so that in every way you may, teach, you may make the teaching of God our Savior attractive. And I think that is so important, the gospel that we believe, the Spirit of God that we carry, 
Man, we need to be making it attractive. I can, if I can have a bit of a help, um, I've got a painting that I just want to want to put up. Yeah, dear, and and Anne can come. This is my darling wife, Anne, and and just keep the cover on. Or actually, no, we can take the cover off. And is um, Anne and I were travelling to to Auckland. We've been up and down a few times in that, and and a little place called uh, Sanson, uh, between Bulls and and Palmerston North. There's a there's a cafe there called Vivs. And if you're ever going to um, turn it up the other way. Actually, if you have it that way, it, you can actually see something different in it. But we stop in this cafe called Viv's. It's a 1950s cafe. It's all decked out and that sort of thing. But opposite there is this uh, gift place and this craft place and that. And we walked in there one day and uh, we, we saw this painting. And it, was just, it just captured my attention straight away. Just the colours of it, it, it was attractive to me. And I said to Anne, look at this painting, I, I call it Two Funky Cows. And it's like, you know, if you can see that, and it's like, I look at it and, and just the colours of it and, and everything about it, and it just, for me, it's vibrant. For me, it's alive. For me, it was attractive. And I said to Anne, I said, look, we, we've got to have a painting. We've got to have that painting, you know. I was attracted to it as I walked in because every time I look at it, we've got it in, at, at home, that every time I walk and I look at it, it just, it just breathes life. It breathes joy. It breathes happiness. And so I looked at it and I thought, no, we've got to have it. And when I look at it, I, it it's not signed, so I don't know whether it was machine painted or painted by an artist. I'd like to think that an artist painted it and as they were painting it, they had fun painting this painting. You know, I look at the colours of it, and part of the reason I wanted to buy it also was because the colours to me represent life or the journey in life. And as the artist was putting this together, you know, he uses so many different vibrant colours, warm and cool colours, bright colours and dark colours. And to me, it just represents, you know, the stages or the seasons of life that we go through. And, you know, there's the bright stuff, the happy days, those sort of things. But there's also some pretty dark colours in there as well. And I know that, you know, that, that, that we all go through these stages in life where sometimes things can be pretty dark. But I look at the painting and the end result, and this is what I want to believe about life, that the end result, when the colours emerged, it, present, it pre uh, presents a painting or presents something on a canvas that is attractive, that is bright, that is light. And that was the reason we bought this, this simply because I was attracted to it. And I want to talk today about the attractiveness of the gospel and about seeing some things. You know, maybe you look at that and you think, you know, initially, we thought, oh, what's, what's it of? And we didn't see the two cows in it. But, you know, I, I want to talk to the title of my servant, do you see what I see? And it's not about what, what I see, but as believers of Jesus Christ, when the Spirit of God comes upon us, do we see what God sees and how do we respond to it? I want my way of life, or I want my life uh, to do for others what this picture did for me. I want my life to be attractive that it actually draws people to me and begins to ask the questions. Pastor Chris Hodges from uh, Church of the Highlands in the States makes the statement, and uh, I think you've got it up there. I want my life to be so attractive that people who know me but don't know God will want to know God because they know me. And I think that's where it's at. You know, Christ said, you know, love God, love people. And that's what, in, in a sense, that, that's what I want to see in my life. I want my life so attractive that people who don't know, who know me but don't know God will want to know God because they know me. 
and uh, we've been down in Wellington for the last couple of years now and then working with a church down there and um, we've come to know a, a, a pastor guy but a, a, based in the States but also out of Australia called Shane Willard and, and uh, he, was, he was just saying that historically, uh, historical evidence shows that after every world pandemic and we know we've all just been through this world pandemic of COVID-19 we're still going through it but as he was saying that historians and historically it shows that after world, every world pandemic, there is a three-year window of heightened interest of people seeking after God. And they can track this right back to around the 15th, to the, to the 15th century. So after every pandemic, people, because they've had their lives rocked so much because of the things that they put, their security and the safety and all that, it's been shattered and that. And, and so there's a heightened interest in God and this window of opportunity opens up. And I believe that, you know, we're, we're in that season right now, that there's a window of opportunity. And so today I wanted to look at a couple of events in the, in the life of the Apostle Paul uh, and when he and uh, Silas and that were, were in Philippi. And uh, they've been following the Macedonian call, and they've crossed over into Macedonia. Philippi was the was the the, the, the major Roman centre that they first went to. And if you know um, your scriptures, if you know in Acts chapter 16, there's a series of events that happened there. And one day they were going out to a place of prayer and uh, they met uh, some women there who were praying in Lydia, uh, the dealer of purple cloth. And, and God opened her heart to the gospel message and she became a believer. But also in the story, we see that there is, um, as that story continues, we see there's four different opportunities that the Apostle Paul uh, will, uh, looks at in the gospel message. And uh, the Spirit of God, um, Paul looks at these in a different way because he's looking at it through the eyes of the Spirit of God and the Spirit upon him. And it's welcoming and it's transforming and it's attractive, this gospel message that he has. And so today I want to look at a couple of these events. And, and so Paul seizes on these four different opportunities. In the story of Paul, he's now seeing things through different eyes. It's no longer uh, what, what, what do, do you see what I see, but it's like do you see, the Spirit of God is saying, do you see what I see? And it's challenging to Paul. And, and so it's, and it's very much, if you do, what's your response? And so often we come through circumstances in life and saying, and the Spirit of God speaking to us, do you see what I see? Do you see in this person what I see? Do you see in this church? Do you see in this family? Do you see in this situation what I see? And the challenge before us is what is the response to that? How are we going to respond? Will we actually take a risk and do something about it? Or will we leave it for someone else to respond to it? And so I want to pick up on the story. And uh, the first thing that we see, the first opportunity, and if you know the story, Paul and Silas, they continued to go out regularly to um, the place of prayer. Uh, there was this girl that would follow them each time, and she was, um, she was filled with it. She was demon-possessed, and she was uh, one that would tell fortunes. And Scripture says that it made a lot of money for her owners. And the first opportunity we see in this is that Paul's concern or his concern created an opportunity to show Christ's passion. We pick up the story in Acts chapter 16 and it says here that she kept this up for many days. And finally Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ I command you to come out of her and at that moment the Spirit left her. And at that moment, the owners of her realized that their way of making money had stopped. 
And they were furious about it. If you know the story, it says that they, they grabbed Silas and Paul and they brought them into the court, into the magistrate, and so they, and they accused them of doing this and it caused a huge ruckus in that area. And the magistrates, they said they had them flogged and then they had them put in prison. But I want to say to you today, when we look at things through the Spirit of God's eyes, we see here with Paul, his concern created an opportunity to show Christ's compassion. He was so troubled by what he saw, he didn't worry actually about the risk there was to him or what the outcome might actually be. He saw that this girl needed help and realized that he was able to help her. He was able to set her free, free because of the power of God upon his life. Very different to what we read in Acts chapter 18 when he is standing there at the stoning of Stephen. And he was looking through things in a very different way. But now Christ has come upon him, has transformed his life, and now he sees things differently. And here his compassion of Christ shows up. The Apostle Paul was not from a risk-averse generation. And I heard a comment a little while ago on that, that in today's world we have so much information, especially the younger generation, have so much information available to them, they're actually afraid to make a decision in case they get it wrong. And here's Paul. Paul's not afraid of, making, of taking a risk. Paul's not afraid of doing something. And as you read that story, you see how it ended up. But in that, God was in that as well. You know, I want to say to you today, we don't all have to understand fully to respond immediately to situations. You know, when Anne and I were living in Wellington and we were living opposite the botanical gardens and uh, every, every day we'd drive up there and, 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 and there'd be cars parked along the road and, and uh, I started noticing that there was this car with all these shades around the windows and that you could not see into it and we realised that there was this young lady living in this car. And so as the days went past and then it turned into weeks and that and, and suddenly I, as we came up every day we, we saw that this lady, this young lady was in this car and then sometimes she would have um, everything out on the street and on the fence drying things and on the top of her car and yeah she, she, she had some, some problems. But you know it began like Paul, it began to trouble me that this girl was in the car just living in this way. And so I said to Anne, I said, you know, we, we need to stop and just, and just see if she's okay. And there was an opportunity one day of driving up and she had everything out there and she was out by the car. And so I pulled in and I stopped and went back to her and said, just introduce myself and said, look, I, I don't want to pry, but we've noticed that you're living in this car. And, and, and I just want to check two things. One, are you safe? Do you feel that you're safe? And secondly, is there anything we can do for anything I can do? It's interesting in that she says to me just one thing. She says to me, yeah, I could do with a container of water. And straight away I realized, you know, Matthew 25, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And so I said, well, I, we can help with that. And so I drove up home and, and got a container of water and that because where she'd, been, uh, where she'd been accessing facilities in the botanical gardens that closed up for renovation. And, and I got Anne and said, look, I've met this girl, uh, Marcella. And, and so Anne came down with me and we drew, introduced ourselves to her. And we gave her this container of water and it started us on a journey with her over the next few months. We got a phone call, yeah, and I thought, well, what's next? Got a phone call, well, could you help me out with some food? And so we got her a voucher on that. And then one night uh, in the evening, we got a phone call from her to say, look, my, my car's been broken into and a whole lot of my stuff has been stolen. Have you got something that could fix the back window on my car? So I went down and we put some black tape and everything on it and that. And, 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 and she said, look, I've had everything stolen. Could you, could you give me a, a pillow and a blanket that I could? Uh, and so we went home and we got those things. 
You know, when we see things through different eyes, you know, there's opportunity for us in every situation. We didn't know how that outcome, that, that how it, w- it would turn out and that, but fortunately we, we, I began talking to her and over the winter months, you know, she was able to get some emergency accommodation and then, and, and she just began to tell a little bit of her story. And, you know, and she's in a, she, she's in a, in a, in a, I think, in a much better place today. But it started simply because there was a need there and it was like, I've got the opportunity to do something here, showing the love of Christ through just a simple thing of just giving a container of water. The second thing we see, the second opportunity we see with the Apostle Paul is uh, when they are in prison, the second opportunity we see that his position empowered him to speak. And if we know then that story and that, they, they have been severely flogged. They have been given over to the jailer who has, who, and he, he, he's been given those commands that they are not to escape, that he has to hold them there. And so they put them into the, put them into the inner part of the prison. And we know that in, in that story and that at midnight that, that Paul and Silas had been speaking to those who were in the prison with them and then they were singing hymns and psalms and, that, and suddenly there was this great earthquake and it says that the doors uh, uh, opened up and the chains fell off and there was that opportunity to leave. And it says in chapter 16 and verse 27 and 28, if we've got that there, and the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. In those days, if you were a prison warden in charge of a prison, if your, if your prisoners escaped with life, you lost your life. That was how it worked in those days. And so Paul shouted out, don't harm yourself. We are all here. You see, Paul used his position which allowed him to speak. And he was, a, he was in a situation where he could speak life into this prison warden's life. You know, I want to ask us the question today, how do we use our position? The situation that we're in, how do we use our position maybe to speak into the life of someone else? Or do we often look at our position and instead of speaking into it or speaking to other people's lives, do we actually blame God for where we are? For our situation? How do we respond to those things? You know, words are powerful. They can either reinforce your fears or they can strengthen your faith. Whatever you're speaking and whatever you see, whatever you're even speaking over your own lives, over your kids, over your family and that, your words and that that you have, they can reinforce the fears that you have or they can strengthen your faith. You know, Paul could have used the shock of of what had just happened because he was compassionate for a person, for a young girl, and he was able to set her free by the power of God's Spirit, and yet his situation in that had had placed him in prison. He could have used that situation or the shock of what had just happened to them to shrink back from the calling that was on his life. Well, man, if if I do this and this happens and that, then, then I better just step back from what maybe God's got on my life. But instead, he allowed the shock or allowed the situation to actually shape his faith. How do we respond to shock? How do we respond to situations that, that man, I, I never saw that one coming. I never, never intended that. I, if I had the choice, I'd never be in, I'd never have gone into the situation myself. Do we, how do we respond to shock? Do we allow it to shape us or do we allow it to actually shatter us? Do we allow it to shrink the dreams because of disappointment? I want to encourage you today. 
to put your trust and faith in God. I love those words in that song. Be strong, be steadfast, be willing. When we had that faith in God, just allowing him to breathe into those situations. Don't shrink back from your dream of disappointment. What opportunities do you have to speak into the life of others? I received a, a call from a, um, a friend of mine who'd started coming to our church in Wellington and that and received a call. He'd, he'd, he'd been through some stuff in life and was journeying with him in that. And at about 10 o'clock one night, I received a call from him and he just simply says, sell him in a bad place. I said, okay, what's going on? He says, well, I'm up at the graveside of my dad and, and I'm just not in a, in a good place. He said, will you come and pick me up? Will you come and help me? And so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll meet you up there in five minutes. And so I went up and picked him up. And we just sat in, sat in my vehicle and we just, he just began to pour out his heart as to what he was going through in his marriage and a whole lot of other things in there. And we were just able to speak into his life because of that situation, because I was able to respond, you know, and picked him up and dropped him back home. And, that. and again, that started us on a journey of just uh, speaking into their, into their marriage, into their life, got them into, did, did a, a marriage program with them where they were just ready to walk away after one year of being married and that. And, and, and suddenly there, were, there was being able to speak life into that situation. They were prepared to give it another go and we've been journeying with them since then in that. And it is your position empower you to speak life into someone else's situation, seize that opportunity. Do you see what I see? That's what the Spirit of God says. In this situation, do you see what I see? Not what you see, but what I see, and how can we respond to it? The third opportunity we see in this wonderful story is that uh, Paul, his faith allowed him to focus on another man's future. And I look at that, and I'm like, man, that is so powerful. Here was Paul so secure in his faith that no matter what was happening, it didn't worry or concern him. He was so secure and steadfast that he was able to put his, the situation aside. He was able, knowing secure in his faith, he was able to focus on another man's um, future. The jailer called for lights in verse chapter 16, 29 to 31. The jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell before Paul, trembling before Paul and Silas. And when he brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? There was something in Paul's faith that this Roman jailer was attracted to. And he realized that what you have, I want. What, the transformation that's happened in your life, I want that same transformation happening in my life. And, be, and then Paul said to him, they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and all your family. It's interesting here, Paul already had the get out of jail free card. The chains had fallen off, the doors were open, he could have just walked out. And yet he decides, because he's secure and knowing who his God is, he's secure that he decided to stay instead of escaping. And Paul here, he says, instead of he decided to stay, and Paul was already secure in his future, which allowed him to focus on someone else's future. Man, I hope that our faith is like that. I hope that we have such a strong faith that no matter what is happening, even though it may not be easy, we know that in all things we can take hold of that scripture in Romans. In all things we know that God works for the good of those who love him. We may not see the good happening at that time, but our faith says that, there's, that, there's, that the outcome is different in that. It was in 2 Timothy 
1 verse 12 that I was reading uh, last year, going through Timothy, and again, just a verse jumped out at me, and again, uh, just meditating on it, and, and, this, and this is what it says in, in, in uh, chapter 12. That's why I'm suffering as I am, and yet this is, no, the, this is no cause for shame, and this is what Paul says, because I know whom I have believed in. And he says, I am persuaded that the God that I believe in is able to keep that which I have committed to him. That's why Paul was so secure. That's why Paul could leave his faith where it was. That's why Paul didn't need to escape. That's why Paul didn't need to get out of the situation he was in. He was able to focus on another man's future because Paul knew who he had believed in. He'd had such an encounter with God that God had changed and transformed his life. We know on that road to Damascus when Ananias came and prayed for him, he says that it's like scales fell from Paul's eyes and Paul saw, a different, saw things in a different way. And he says here that I am convinced that he is able to guard, he is able to keep that which I've committed to him. The last opportunity we see here I want to look at today is this, that his willingness resulted in his witness. His willingness to stay resulted in his witness of the gospel. In chapter 16, again, it talks about here, then he spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in the house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And, they immediate, and, and then immediately he and all his family were baptized. I love that. Paul's willingness to put aside his pain to put aside the injustice that had happened to him as a, as a Roman citizen should never have happened, but he was prepared to put that aside. He was prepared to put aside that his freedom had been removed from him. Freedom resulted in a great man. All this resulted in a great move of God's spirit in the jailer's life and in his family. And so I want to encourage you today to see things differently. See the opportunities when an opportunity presents itself, don't shy away from it. Don't think, well, someone else will look after it. How can I um, speak into this situation? What eyes am I seeing things through? As we finish off, do you see what God sees? And I want to encourage you today, never lose sight of Jesus' love because it will motivate you. Never lose sight of the love of Christ that he has had for your life, that you see that him pouring out his spirit in other people's lives. Never lose sight of Jesus' love because it will motivate you. Never lose sight of his example. And the examples we see in Scripture, and so many times we see him going out of his way, whether it's to see into Samaria for, for one person, whether it was across the, 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 the sea to, to, to set free one, one, one demon-possessed guy, whether it was blind Bartimaeus, when everyone was telling him to be quiet, Jesus says, come to me. Never, never lose sight of the example, because Jesus' example, because it will inspire you. And lastly, never lose sight of his truth because it will reassure you. Never lose sight of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in the future because it will inspire you to step out of our comfort zone, inspire you, as Paul said, you know, he was so troubled with what he saw, he actually responded and did something about it. And even though in the physical it didn't turn out well and that way it caused a lot of pain, he was secure in his faith. I want to say today our churches in New Zealand Need, our, our nation needs churches full of believers who are vibrant, who are welcoming, 
who are attractive, just like this painting was attractive to Anna, to Anna and myself and that. We, 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 we need to be like this. We, we need, as, as we live our lives, we need to be attracting people to us, that people see, see something like this and like we do as men, man, I need to have that in my house because every time I walk past, there's just something that's life in it and I pray that that would be in our lives. Finishing off with our game, just a reminder of what Pastor Chris Hodges said. I want my life to be so attractive that people who know me but don't know God will want to know God because they know me. Yeah. Let me pray as we finish, finish off the message this morning. I just thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, to open your word. I thank you, Heavenly Father. Your word is alive, Lord God. It is living. It is active, Lord. I thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord, that as... Um, when we go out from here today, as we journey through our week, Lord God, whatever uh, position and situations you've placed us in, Heavenly Father, whether it's in family or work or community or whatever, I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that we would be so attractive in our lifestyle, would be so attractive in our faith, Lord God, that others would see what we have and they would desire, Lord God, to have the same as what we have. And so I pray, Lord God, that you would continue just to empower your people, Lord God, that, Lord God, they would be a living testimony for you every day of their lives. We ask that in your precious and your mighty name. Amen.